Amen. The word of the Lord says in Revelation chapter 5, verse 5, And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. Amen? He's conquered. And he goes on to say in verse 12, Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. We gather this morning to worship the lion and the lamb, Jesus Christ. And we are, we are glad that we can come into this place and do that. Uh, so we want to welcome you. If this is your first time with us, we are thrilled that you have come. Uh, I've only been here about a month and a half, but I don't believe you can find a better church than where you are right now. Um, and so I'm thrilled that you are here at Northside Baptist Church. If this is your first time, hopefully you got a bulletin when you came in. Inside that bulletin is a little tab you can fill out, tear off, put that in the offering plate. Or if you would rather, you can hand that to one of the staff on your way out today. Uh, we want to make you feel welcome. Uh, we do love each other, and so one way we do that is by shaking hands, and if you know the person really, really well, maybe even hugging their neck. So go ahead and do that right now.
God, you are our hope and you are our salvation, dear God. Uh, everything that is good in this world, everything that is good that comes to us comes from you. And God, we thank you for that. We place our lives in your hands. In Jesus' name, I pray. He's standing as we sing about this heavenly sunlight here today. opportunity to come to your house this morning and praise and worship you and just ask that you would be with Pastor Aaron as he brings your word this morning dear Lord and just ask that you would just soften our hearts and lay distractions aside as we hear your word this morning just ask that you would take these tithes and offerings to further your kingdom in your heavenly and gracious name amen
Now, as long as this doesn't fall and hit me in the face, we'll, we'll make it all right. I want to do something today that I hadn't done in a little while. I'll read you a book, okay? And um, I should probably have somebody, in pre- a preschool teacher or kindergarten teacher that really can do this and hold it where you can see the pictures while I read, right? I think what they do is memorize the books before they read it. Maybe. I don't know. But this is a book full of poetry, and sometimes... Sometimes poetry can just be silly. So I thought I'd start with a silly one. Is that okay? Even if it's not, that's what I'm going to do. Start with a silly one, okay? This one is called Funny Face. You see this picture here? Everybody see it? see it? You got to look at the picture because I, I hadn't memorized it. There you go, right there. Funny Face. All right. Suppose my nose were upside down. In any rainstorm, I might drown. The sun was shining to my eyes because my glasses sat so high. One morning, I'd hop out of bed to find my mustache on my head. And every time I'd sneeze or cough, the blast would knock my ball cap off. It's kind of silly, right? All right, well, that one's kind of silly. I thought it was silly. But now this one, this one's kind of silly, but but it has a point. Well, you could even say that one. God made us the way he did on purpose, right? He didn't turn our noses upside down so that we could wear ball caps, right? Yeah. All right. Um, This one... This one's about two cats, okay? All right, it's two, two cats, and uh, it's a girl cat and a, and a tomcat. I don't know what you call a girl cat, but you call boy cats tomcats. And so um, this, one, this one right here, is, it talks about, listen, it talks about things that you can't see but you know are real, okay? Sometimes we think we know something's real because we can see it, right? But do this. Take a deep breath. You just breathe in air that you didn't see. Okay? There's some things in life that are real, even though we can't see them. And God, God is a lot like that. All right? I'm going to see if I can do this poetry any, any, any good. If, if it's really good, if it's really good, when I'm done, you know what you're supposed to do? Snap your fingers. All right. I will, I will try my best to hold it up to see. It might be better if you move over here if you want to see the pictures. Okay? Just, just to give you a heads up. All right. Minivy Cheever. Are you a believer in love? Asked the slinky sweet cat, Simony C. Minivy cat purred to his kitten. Oh my goodness, no, I've never seen love. Or hair on a frog, or mushrooms grow feathers, or shoes for a dog. I must make it clear to you, Simony C. I only believe in those things I can see. And I cannot see love, so love must not be. Well, Minivy Cheever, said Simony C., I'm sure you believe in one thing you can't see. I bet you believe in electricity. Oh, no, you're quite wrong, Simony C. I've never believed in electricity. I can't see it, Simony. How can it be? Minivy, come to a socket with me. Minivy did, and sweet Simony C unscrewed the light bulb. I wouldn't advise this, Simony said. You'd be smarter, my dear, if you use your head. There's stuff in this socket that'll knock you clear dead. I'll never believe it. The tomcat assailed as Simony jammed his beautiful tail into the socket. Wow, what a whale. That would be a funny picture, right? See a cat get shocked like that? Um, Let me finish. All right. Then a curious thing began to occur. Minivy's eyebrows stuck out like his fur, and his eyes both lit up like two flashing lamps, and his hair spronged in frizzes, his muscles all cramped. 
Sparks waggled his tongue and curled his toes and crinkled his fur into an afro. See, I told you it'd be funny. Wow, at last I can feel what I never could see. I, Minivee Cheever, and now a believer. At least I believe in electricity. Still, I've never seen love, so how can it be? Then Simony kissed him right on the kisser, and Minivee fizzed like a July 4th fizzer. And a wonderful thing began to occur. Minivee's eyebrows stuck out like his fur. His eyes lit up like two flashing lamps. His hair sprung in frizzes. His muscles all cramped. Love waggled his tongue and curled his toes and crinkled his fur into an afro. Wow, Simony C., I felt your king kiss clear down to my gizzard. What megavolt lips, you high-voltage kisser. Your kiss and your light socket left me inspired. I'm going to marry, and I'm going to have my house wired. <laughs> they married that day in a church by the sea. Minivee kissed his kitty-to-be and then cried aloud, My Simony C., I'm a foolish old tomcat, too blind to see that love is just great, and I fully agree. It's one of the real things you simply can't see. Now, I, I thought it was a decent poem. And there's one person that's clicking their thing. Yeah. So, but listen, I wanted to share that with you to talk about this. Listen, listen, are you listening? God is real, even if we can't see him or touch him, right? But we can, we can feel his presence. Today in our Sunday school class, we talked about worshiping the Lord. And when the people went back with, with Ezra and they saw the foundation of the temple, they shouted with great joy. Even though they didn't see God, they saw evidence of God. Even though we don't necessarily see love, we see evidence of love. We can see, we, we, we see the evidence of these things, even though we can't see them with our own eyes. God is like that. And my question to you, listen, my question to you is, do you believe in things you can't see? Do you believe in God even if you can't see him? Let's pray. Father, thank you for... Uh, this time together with, with children. Thank you that you make yourself known. Even if we can't see you or touch you or, or, or even smell you, Father, we know you're real because um, there's a lot of things in life that we can't see, but we just have to trust and believe. So help us all to believe in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand once again as we continue singing.
took of the offer of grace he did proffer, he saved me, oh praise his dear name. Heaven came down, glory filled my soul. When the cross the Savior made me whole, my sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. standing, if you will. Take your Bibles or your phones or your electronic devices and go to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. I'm not the most clever when it comes to sermon titles, so if we're going to title this sermon, it would simply be, I believe, help my unbelief, which comes directly from the scripture. I figure you can't mess up the scripture, so uh just go with that. So Mark chapter 9, we're going to be looking at a story beginning in verse 14 and going all the way through verse 29. So if you'll please just stand in honor of the reading of God's word. It says, And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you. For he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whatever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. He answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so the most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, 
this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer let's pray father god we believe help our unbelief lord we come to you and maybe some of us come with a lot of faith this morning maybe some of us come with very little faith or no faith at all god we know we're coming to a mighty god who has the power and the sovereignty to change and transform our lives so father we come humbly we come expecting you to do great things to speak powerfully through your word to speak powerfully father through me may we see jesus today jesus alone it's in jesus name we pray all god's people said amen you may be seated uh anybody in here can you relate to failing anybody in here ever failed if you didn't raise your hand you just failed right because we have all failed at one time or another uh, i think one of the hardest lessons for a parent um, is to have to let your kids fail right we always want to be right there and help them to do the right thing but at some point we have to let them fail because in failing we often learn important lessons and so as we work our way through this text I don't really know if I have three points per se for today, but more or less just three things that are going to kind of help us move our way through the text. Three things I want us to see as we work our way through these verses. The first thing I want you to notice um, this morning is, number one, the disciples' failure. The disciples' failure. The verses preceding this interaction here, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, the inner circle, if you will, of the disciples, and they go up to the Mount of Transfiguration, and Peter, James, and John, right, see the, the glory of Jesus there. They come down off the, from the mountain, and it says, and when they came to the disciples, so here they are, Jesus, the three disciples coming up to the other <coughs> disciples, and it says they see a great crowd. So a great crowd of people has surrounded these other disciples who did not make their way up top the mountain. It says scribes are arguing with them. Jesus was probably thrilled to walk up upon an argument, uh, but that's what he encounters. He walks up to them arguing. And uh, so we wonder, why are they arguing? Well, we find out, verse 15, And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed. They ran up to him and greeted him, and he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you. For he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth, and it becomes rigid. Here it is. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. Here the disciples, minus Jesus and the other three, are not able to heal and restore this young man. They are publicly humiliated. They are probably embarrassed. They fail. And they're hearing it from the religious leaders. It's not enough just to fail, but now the scribes are letting them know, you can't do it. So Jesus, in his grace, will use their failure to teach them, to strengthen them, to prepare them for future ministry. So we ask the question, why do they fail? Why could they not cast out this demon? It's important to understand they've done this before. This wasn't the first time they were presented with this opportunity. If you go back to Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, verse 7, 
we read this. <clears throat> and he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. And then you drop down to verse 12. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. Watch this. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. They were successful in the past. And now Jesus is not there. This father brings his son to them, and they're unable to cast out the demon from this man. Why do they fail on this particular occasion? Well, after the boy is healed, Jesus and the disciples are together, and we drop down to verse 28, and we see why. When he entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but what? Prayer. Anything but prayer. So why couldn't they do it? Well, what does Jesus say? He says the reason you failed is because you didn't what? Pray. You failed to pray. Did the disciples become so overconfident in their own ability that on this particular occasion they didn't turn to God for help? Were they on this particular occasion trusting in their past successes? We've done it before. We can do it again. I want you to think about this. The scriptures say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, that we walk by faith and not by sight. But up to this moment, in the lives of the disciples, they have almost always walked by sight. Because Jesus was there with them, almost always. So they weren't really walking by faith, they were walking by sight. They were seeing Jesus do these things. He was right there with them. But here's what Jesus knows. He won't always physically be with them. Yes, he'll pour out the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, but he won't always physically be with them. So at some point, they're going to have to start walking by faith. So he's preparing them for that moment. So Jesus uses their failure to teach them. Instead of praying to God for help, instead of asking God to do what only he could do, they attempted to do it themselves, and as it will always happen, it blew up in their face. They failed in their own strength. So look what Jesus says to them in verse 19. These are harsh words. These words cut, and he answered them, Oh, faithless, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Jesus rebukes the disciples' faithlessness. His words here cut, but his words are also meant to cure. Because as I already said, he's preparing them for a time when he won't physically be with them any longer. He's preparing them that at some point they're going to have to walk by faith and not by sight. See, here's what the disciples had to learn, and you and I have to learn it ourselves is we have to learn to grow in our trust, in our confidence, and in our dependence on Jesus Christ. This morning, God calls you and I to walk by faith. He is calling each and every one of us in our situation and in our circumstance to trust Him more and more and more every day and every week. We are to believe in Him, right? We walk by faith. 
ties right along with what BJ talked about, right? And we didn't even plan that, but I love that's how God works. We can't see God physically, but we know by faith He is among us and He is working. Listen to me, church. Whatever you're doing, you can't do it alone. So stop. The quicker you and I realize this, the better off we'll be. Whatever it is, don't try to do it in your own strength. Maybe it's telling somebody about Jesus Christ. Don't try to do that in your own strength. You'll fail. Whether it's maybe teaching a Sunday school class or trying to read through God's Word this year or overcoming an addiction or leading out in a ministry or forgiving someone who has hurt you or maybe even trying to grow a church. These things are impossible for us, but all things are possible for God. Amen. I love, uh, I've started listening to a, a preacher out of Chicago. His name is Charlie Dates. Um, he could preach, by the way. Uh, it's an African-American church, and uh, I, I love how they respond as you listen. So if you want to respond, feel free to respond. And if you don't know how to respond, just go listen to some of his sermons, and you'll learn how a congregation can respond, right? So I was listening to a sermon he preached about the coming of Christ, and he said something along these lines. He said, God's super comes to our natural. God's super comes to our natural, and it becomes supernatural. So you and I, right, we're trying to do these things in our natural strength and in our natural ability, but nothing happens unless God's super comes to us, amen? We need the supernatural power of God. Jesus Christ has authority over what is impossible for you and me. He has authority over nature and demons and diseases, and even death surrenders completely and immediately to his sovereign authority church when we don't seek the face of Jesus and the power of Jesus and the help of Jesus in whatever we're trying to do we will fail and we have failed in the past and we will fail going forward and aren't you thankful for God's grace and mercy Jesus could have said all right I'm done with you 12 give me a new 12 you can't get this right but he continues to show compassion and grace preparing and training them so the disciples' failure then sets up this conversation that we have between Jesus and this Father. And that's the second thing I want you to notice this morning, is, and that's the Father's small faith. The Father's small faith. We continue in verse 20, And they brought the boy to him, and when the Spirit saw him, saw Jesus, immediately it convulsed the boy. He fell on the ground, rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his Father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it is often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the father of the, the, little, of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. The father turns to Jesus and he says, if, if you can do anything. If, if you can. It's interesting, when you study the Gospel of Mark, in Mark chapter 1, there's a leper that comes to Jesus, and he doesn't ask the could question, he asks the would question. He comes to Jesus and he says, would you, will you heal me? And now this father comes to Jesus, and he doesn't ask the would question, but he asks the could question. He believes Jesus would, he's just not sure if Jesus 
can. Can you heal my son? And so Jesus gives this man a little grammar lesson. He says, if you can. All things are possible for one who believes. Listen, church, Jesus is saying the problem is not with my divine ability. The problem is with human unbelief. The problem this morning is not can God do it, it's do we believe that he can, that he is able. And so the Father says this to Jesus, have compassion on us. Have compassion on us and help us, right? SOS, help us, Jesus. Jesus says, I can do all things. All things are possible for the one who believes. And so the Father asks for help a second time. The first time it was, help us, have compassion on us. The second time the Father says, I believe, help my unbelief. I want to believe more. The Father says, help me in spite of me. Within this Father is both belief and unbelief. He believes, yet he's struggling to believe. And I wonder this morning if anybody in here can relate to that dad. I believe, help my unbelief. You and I, as we read through this, man, we might be critical. It seems more and more and more us Christians are becoming more and more critical of other Christians, of other believers. Right? We may look at him and say, what small, weak faith this father has. But you know what? At least he's looking in the right direction, and at least he came to the right person. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So scripture is clear. Faith is necessary. But how much faith? How much faith must you and I have? Must your faith and mine be perfect? Must we have perfect, massive amounts of faith in Jesus always? And the answer is no. Because listen to what Jesus says, Matthew 17, 20. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Danny Aiken writes in his commentary on the Gospel of Mark, he says, the key is not the depth of our faith, but the direction of our faith. The object of your faith matters. The song goes, right, little is much when God is in it. You know that old gospel song? Little is much when God is in it. So this man had faith. Even though it may appear to be small or weak, but he does have faith because he says, I believe. So here's the question for you this morning. Do you and I in 2020 have the faith to believe the Lord can do all things? Do you believe that? Honestly, do you believe that your God at this moment can do all things? See, oftentimes our faith is misplaced. This man's faith wasn't in the religious leaders. I hope it wasn't in the disciples because they fail him. No, his faith had to be in Jesus Christ. Church, our faith must be in Jesus. Amen? Anywhere else, it's misplaced. Our hope, hear me, is not in a religious people. Your hope is not in a government. Your hope is not in a president. Your hope is not in America. 
your hope is not in me as your pastor. Hear me. Don't ever put me on a pedestal. I don't belong there. Your faith is not in me. Your hope and faith is in Jesus Christ, period. That's where it is. Church, you and I serve a mighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, sovereign God. Our God is not weak. He is not impotent. He is not puny. He is not distant. Luke 137 says, For nothing will be impossible with God. Psalm 134, 5-6 says, For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. Ephesians 3.20, Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power and work within us, to Him be glory. That's good news. That is good news for us, church. And it ought to change the way we pray. Our God is mighty to save. He is mighty to deliver. God, our God, is sovereign over North Korea. Our God is sovereign over the Middle East. Our God is sovereign over famine. And he is sovereign over the stock market. And he is sovereign over cancer. He is a sovereign God, and that changes everything. Everything. If you believe that your God is all-powerful. Now, maybe you came this morning and you say, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm hanging on by a thread. You say, Pastor, I've, I've lost my faith. I don't have much faith left. Maybe, maybe it's circumstantial. Maybe it's just uh, uh, your own spiritual condition of your heart. You come and you say, Pastor, I just don't have much faith left. Hear me. However much faith you have, how little it might be, my plea for you this morning is to take whatever you've got and to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, here I am. It's not much, but I'm here. And I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you to step into my life and intervene. I believe, oh God, help my unbelief. And when we come with however, whatever faith it may be, however big or small it may be, as long as you come to Jesus and you come in faith, he will hear and he will answer. You see, faith says, I can't, but you can. Faith says, I can't, but you can. This morning, we need to stop asking, can Jesus do it? He can do all things. So cry out to Jesus in faith. Pray boldly, pray fervently, pray passionately, but pray his will be done. Let me ask you a question, church. When you pulled into this parking lot, maybe before you even got here, what was your expectation this morning? Did you come expecting God to do a supernatural work? Did you come with the expectation that when you leave here, you were going to say, man, God showed up at Northside Baptist Church today? That needs to be our expectation each and every single Sunday, that we are expecting God to save, expecting Him to transform marriages, expecting Him to heal the sick, because that's what He does, and we're trusting and believing in Him for it. And that leads us to the most important thing, in our text and that's number three the power of Jesus the power of Jesus before we get there though I want to go back to verse 21 Jesus asked his father how long has this been happening to him now, that's interesting hang with me here for a moment why does Jesus ask that question has Jesus suddenly when he comes down from the mountain forgotten what's going on I mean, we know Jesus knows things. Remember the woman at the well? Jesus knew how many husbands she had. 
She was now living with somebody else. She didn't tell him that. He knew that. Jesus knew things. Remember the woman who touches him? Jesus knew who it was who touched me. He knew who it was who touched him. So does suddenly Jesus now not know how long this young boy has suffered with this? I don't believe that's the case. See, I believe Jesus is reaching out to this father and showing his compassion, just like you and I would do. Somebody comes to you and says, hey, I'm struggling. You might say, hey, how long have you been struggling? How long has this been going on? You want them to know, man, I care about you, right? I think Jesus wants this dad to know, look, you're not coming to some power. You're coming to a person. You're coming to me, a person, and I care about you. I care about your struggles and your pain. I care about that which breaks your heart. I want to hear from you. You're broken. Your son needs healing. How long has this been going on? Right, Jesus then says to the Father, all things are possible for the one who believes. And then we come to the miraculous, verse 25. When Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse. So the most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up he arose you see this is ultimately about Jesus Christ once again we see the glory and the deity of Jesus Christ on display the disciples inability merely emphasizes the power and the greatness of Jesus Christ listen to me brothers and sisters you need Jesus Christ as much today as you did the day he found you and rescued you you will never advance beyond your need for Christ I saw something on Facebook this week, and it's, it's so true that pretty much the majority of a pastor's job is simply to remind you over and over and over who you are in Christ. That's what we do. This is who you are in Christ. You know why I need to remind you of that? Because I have to be reminded of that, of who we are in Christ. It's so easy for us to forget that we will never advance beyond our need for Jesus. And the reality this morning is simple. When Jesus Christ shows up, great things, unexplainable things happen. And when Jesus Christ doesn't show up because we tried to do it in our own strength, nothing happened. The disciples had flaws. This father had small faith. Right? But Jesus Christ, he doesn't fail. He doesn't fail. He had perfect faith in his father's will. Only he can give victory over the demonic. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan wants to distort and destroy the image of God, but Jesus came to restore the image of God. Jesus came to set captives free. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. So we see the power of Christ on display. Some of you this morning, if you're honest in your hearts, you're restless. You're restless in your hearts because you can't figure out what God is doing in your life. You're trying to figure out, God, what are you up to and you just don't know and so you want answers and it's not making sense and maybe it's caused you to doubt God a little maybe if you're honest your faith is weaker today than it was last week or last year or six years ago because of what you've gone through and maybe somebody is here this morning wondering does God love me can God really forgive me? Maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ and you're here. Look, I, I was invited. I he, I've heard about this Jesus, but I'm just not convinced. Does he really love me? Can God really forgive me and my failures? 
Is he able? Does he care? Look at verse 27 again. But Jesus took him by the what? Hand. Did he have to? No. He could have said, boy, get up. Go home. You're alive. You're healed. Demon's gone. He doesn't. He takes him by the hand, and he lifted him up, and he arose. This is, this is the love of God. This is Christ showing us that love. And I want you to know this morning that God loves you. And he cares deeply about you, even in your failure, even in your affliction. You know, growing up, one of my favorite musicians was uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman. You guys know Stephen Curtis Chapman? Isn't All right, I see some of you shaking your, shaking your heads. I love Stephen Curtis Chapman. Uh, I remember going to his concerts. I didn't know much about his story at all. As I got older, I realized that he and his wife had a heart and a love for adoption. And, you know, Ryan and I have adopted, and so that's really cool. And so I love him even more for that. Um, on May 21st, 2008, some of you may remember this. May 21st, 2008, his, one of his children, five-year-old Maria Sue, had ran around from the side of the house and was running to the driveway. And one of the sons who was driving was backing out of the driveway. And he, as he was backing up, she came running from around the house, and he, he didn't see her, didn't have a chance to see her, and he, and he ran over her. Um, I'm guessing they must have lived kind of far away from a hospital because on that day, as soon as they were made aware of it, they come running outside. Stephen Curtis Chapman puts his daughter Maria Sue in the backseat of the car, and he takes off for the hospital. I guess he figured he could get there quicker than they could get to him. So he takes her to the hospital, and she dies. Months after this happened, Stephen Curtis Chapman and some of his family were being interviewed. Stephen Curtis Chapman said that as he was pulling away out of the driveway with his five-year-old daughter dying in the back seat, he rolled down his window to say something to the son who was driving the vehicle. But he couldn't for the life of him remember what he said. He didn't know what he said. But one of the other children remembered I want you to picture this scene. Your father, you're the father behind the steering wheel in a hurry to get to the hospital. Your five-year-old, at the moment he didn't know she was dying, but now we know dying in the back seat. Your, one of your oldest sons just ran her over, probably the darkest, worst day he will ever experience in his life, and he's got a split second. He rolls his window down. He looks at his son and he says this Will Franklin your father loves you and he was gone of all the words that his son needed to hear at that moment nothing would have been more powerful than I still love you there's nothing that could ever happen that would cause me not to love you listen I want you to hear me this morning your heavenly father loves you he loves you. He is able to forgive you. He is able to deliver you. So if you've lost sight of that, if you've forgotten that, if your week was so messed up that you, you've forgotten how much he loves you, I'm to remind you over and over that he does, and that he can deliver you, 
And not only is he able to deliver you, but the good news is he's already done that for you through his son, Jesus Christ, and the work on the cross. Nothing can for sin atone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The cross of Jesus Christ means that every minute of your day, on your worst days and on your best days, on the brightest days and on the darkest days, on those days when you are afflicted, on those days when you want to give up, on those days when you want to blow it, on those days when all of Satan and his army are after you, the cross is a pronouncement that your Father loves you. So if your faith is wavering, if you feel like your faith is practically almost gone, hear me, you have a God in heaven who loves you. And he can do anything and all things in you. You may not have much faith right now, but with whatever you got, cry out to him and say, I believe. Help my unbelief. And maybe you came in and, man, your faith is strong this morning. Continue to say, I believe. Help my unbelief. Keep looking to Jesus Christ over and over and over. And understand, your hope is not in each other or me. It is in Jesus. And the moment we lose sight of that, everything begins to unravel. So I'm just here to remind you of who you are in Christ and that Christ is in you, and he is the hope of glory. Don't ever lose sight of that. And if you have, come back to Jesus and see that again. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Father, we know that you are able. We know that you can. God, we know that you have. You have rescued, redeemed. You have saved and Transformed. This is a work, God, that you have been doing over and over and over. And, oh, God, we're here this morning because we want you to do it again. We're asking you, God, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Jesus, they showed up because somebody invited them, or maybe they're here and they don't even know why they wanted to come this morning. They don't ever want to come. And so maybe they're here. Lord Jesus, would you just speak to their heart? Maybe they've been in church their entire life and they think they have this all figured out, but the reality is they've never really put their faith in Jesus. It's been a religion or a church or a person, everything but you, Jesus. So may today, whether they're 10 or 90, may today be the day they say, Jesus, I'm coming to you for the first time. I believe. Help my unbelief. Father, maybe somebody's here and they're just struggling. They're just going through a, a dark valley. Maybe a dark night of their soul. Like just deep within them, they're discouraged and depressed and they're down. Maybe their circumstances aren't what they want it to be. Lord, may they see that even in the darkness, you shine bright. And that you're not going to abandon them. That you're going to be with them every step of the way. That you have a purpose and a plan for them. So Father, may we come yielded and surrendered to you today. May we say, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, do a great thing in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing a hymn as we do each and every Sunday. 
I'm going to be here at the front. Feel free to come, kneel and pray. Take somebody by the hand, say, hey, pray with me. If you need me to pray with you, I'll be more than glad to do that. If you'll stand, let's sing together. Thou my everlasting portion, more than friend or life to me, all along my pilgrim journey, Savior, let me walk with Thee, close to Thee, close to Thee, close to Thee, close to Thee, all along my pilgrim journey, Savior, let me walk with Thee, not for ease or worldly pleasure, not for fame my prayer shall be, gladly will I toil and suffer, only let me walk with Thee, close to Thee, close to Thee. Close to thee, close to thee, gladly will I toil and suffer, only let me walk with thee. And aren't you thankful that Jesus walks close to us, amen? Amen. You see this? This is a bulletin. You guys know what this is? 